It's August 15, 1965, and a cool summer night as I look toward the glowing lights of Shea Stadium, about 10 miles north of me, imagining, no, wishing I was with the Beatles. I'm 12 years old, sitting on my stoop in Queens, New York, holding a Westinghouse transistor radio to my ear. The radio cost me $5 and a label from a bottle of Listerine. It's tuned to WMCA, my favorite AM station. FM barely exists at this point. Less than two years ago, on the day after Christmas, WMCA played I Want to Hold Your Hand, becoming the first New York station to play the Beatles. The night of the Shea Stadium show, I struggle to imagine what a concert there would be like. It's the first rock and roll concert to ever be held at a major stadium. Approximately 56,000 people attend, including my next-door neighbor. The show sold out in 17 minutes. Mind you, there's no internet. I read the news the next day and saw the black-and-white footage on TV the following night. The screams drown out the band. The meager sound system, no competition for the level of noise produced by thousands of adoring fans who faint with passion, their hormones raging as they shout the names of their favorites. John, Paul, George, even Ringo. It's a monumental event and one that will eventually pave the way for the sort of arena shows we'll take for granted 50 years later. I loved, loved the Beatles, and if I could turn back the clock to any one night and be someplace, it would be Shea Stadium on that night. My love for the Beatles began alongside America's love for the Beatles, first with their songs on the radio and then with the newscast of their arrival at the newly renamed John F. Kennedy International Airport, a few miles from my house. President Kennedy was shot 11 weeks before they came to America, and I don't believe it's a stretch to say that our news media was happy to have something to celebrate after so much darkness. On February 9, 1964, two out of every five Americans turned on their black-and-white televisions to watch The Ed Sullivan Show. The Beatles' appearance had been booked three months earlier, at which point no one in America knew them and their songs had never been played on American radio. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to name any British act with a popular song on the U.S. charts then. But by the time they arrived in New York, I Want to Hold Your Hand had shot to number one. Credit their brilliant strategist and manager Brian Epstein, and their sound, of course. I sat in front of the television set with my mom and dad and 13-year-old sister May and thought it was the most thrilling music my 10-year-old ears had ever heard. The Beatles were vibrant and young, none older than 23, and on that night our screens filled with rock and roll, a departure from the normally tame variety show, which often featured Broadway singers, acrobats, comedians, and a magician doing a salt shaker trick. Punk is often credited with shaking up the music world, while we tend to view the British invasion, the wave of British bands that followed in the foot-stomping steps of the Beatles, as cute and adorable. But everything about the music changed after those Brits arrived. Sales of records and record players hit all-time highs, much of the teenage world bought guitars, and your next-door neighbor's garage was as likely to house a budding band as an Oldsmobile. In 1958, Guitar sales in the U.S. totaled approximately 300,000. By 1965, barely one year into the British invasion, that number had exploded to one and a half million. The guitar replaced the piano as a main instrument in popular music. 
My sister and I took lessons, me with the intent to learn all the Beatles songs. I struggled with the instrument, and my teacher later told my mom that I had no musical ability. I was crushed. Instead, I spun 45s endlessly in my bedroom, pretended to be a DJ, created secret make-believe pop charts, and fell deeply in love with music. When I wasn't in school, I always carried two items, my trusty transistor radio and a stickball bat. I lived for baseball and records. At night, I hid my radio under my pillow and listened to either New York Yankees games or rock and roll. My friends were the Zombies, the Kinks, the Rolling Stones, the Animals, the Bo Brummels, the Beach Boys, the Birds, the Yardbirds, and so many others. I bought my first album, Meet the Beatles, at the radio and television repair shop at the local shopping center in Lindenwood, and often walked all the way to the Times Square department store to purchase my 45s.